now. We, we are in the one-year Bible. The cool thing about the one-year Bible is you can read it in a year. And uh, that's what we're attempting to do. Nevertheless, we're definitely preaching out of the one-year Bible systematically week for week. And it's been a, really a fabulous year. And uh, we'll end the year strong and we'll finish strong. And so this week, really the title of the message is The Process of Perfection. The Process of Perfection. And there's not going to be a lot of fluff in today's message. And so I'm going to get right to the point. James chapter one, verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now that's, that's kind of hard to believe actually. You know, when you read that scripture, it's like, man, this is tough, but I'm here to tell you today that your faith will be tested. Your faith's gonna be tested in all areas. Your faith's gonna be tested through trials. Your faith's gonna be tested through circumstances. Your faith's gonna be tested in between the ears where the old brain is. Your faith's gonna be tested when things don't work out like you thought they should. And you know, it goes on and on and on. Faith will be tested but we have a responsibility to let our endurance grow during the testing. This is where the personal responsibility comes in, the grit to hang on and to fight the good fight of faith regardless of what my mind might be telling me. How many of you know the mind will work against faith a lot of times? Faith bypasses psychology and faith is supernatural. Faith is actually the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things we can't see with our five senses. But we have to let or allow the testing of our faith to produce endurance. It's something that we have to get involved with. It's something that we have to be a participant in. We can't just sit by and, and, and think that endurance is going to grow automatically because endurance is not gonna grow automatically. We have to proceed forward in faith regardless of what's going on around us because God does have a process of perfection and his process is a little different than ours, but we have to have endurance to finish out the process. Now, endurance is the ability or strength to continue or to last despite of fatigue, despite stress, despite adverse conditions, despite relational tension, despite divorce, despite sickness, despite failure, despite of anything that this world system has to offer, despite of anything that we've ever found ourselves in, we have to allow endurance to grow in our life, to finish the race of faith during the testing so that we're complete, needing nothing as we move to the afterlife. God has a way of doing that. One of the unique things God does is he uses other people. He, he uses people that make you feel good and he uses people that doesn't make you feel so good. 
probably uses people to make you feel so good more. So my goal is to not make you feel good today. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would be useless. No, just kidding. Hallmark scripture, you've probably read it before. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another man. To kind of bring some validity to this excerpt out of Proverbs, I'm going to try to contextualize it for you, give you a little history about the scripture. It's really a military or a militant type of analogy written by Solomon. It's, it, it, it painted a picture for the reader, and so I'm going to try to help you see that picture a little bit. That proverb was written around the Iron Age in the Middle East, and iron wasn't a very pure type of metal at the time. It contained all other metals and all kind of things, such as nickel and copper and carbon. And it had to go through a purifying state to be really hard. And bronze was really the material primarily used for weapons prior to 1300 BC. But it was running short because there were so many wars going on at the time. It just be it became scarce. And so the Philistines was an army, a group of people that were really not the people of God. They were enemies of God. They developed a skill for making weapons out of a much stronger iron. And iron was so revolutionary at that time in, 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 in regards to war and weapons that the Philistines actually kept that technology to themselves they didn't want to disclose the patent, if you would. Kind of like nuclear warfare and things of this nature today. And the Iron Age advantage helped the Philistines have a monopoly on the early iron weapons. We kind of see that in the Old Testament. The prophet Samuel said in verse 19, chapter 13, now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, and his sickle. So over the next couple of decades, technology began to leak out, and Israel came into possession of this newfound skill, making these iron weapons. And so sometime near the age of King David, David, Israel began to make them weapons for themselves. And Solomon, when he wrote the proverb in chapter 27, verse 17, the making and sharpening of iron swords was such a huge national endeavor that it also allowed for military independence for the relatively young nation of Israel. So when we were reading this proverb, right, you went back in history. So imagine reading that proverb in that light. It meant a whole lot. It meant that iron sharpens iron, and they knew that if they had iron that was being sharpened, they had a military advantage over their enemy, and that analogy was put together as another man sharpens another man. In other words, as you're sharpened through the process of perfection, you're going to be able to take ground from the enemy and invade darkness with light as a weapon in God's hands. That's why it was so monumental to look at the scope of this scripture, realizing God doesn't want me just to 
to you know, feel good around my friends. God actually has a technique or a process to craft me into something that is useful like a weapon in his hand. Now, right here, I've got a, a weapon in my hand. I've got a K-bar knife right here. For you men who like knives, this is a good one. This knife was actually one of the official combat knives in World War II. It was issued to the American Armed Forces, and it was first adopted by the Marine Corps. And as you see here, it's got a blade. It's got a blood groove right here. It's got a cross guard. It's got a leather handle. It's got a pommel. It's got a scabbard. And every piece of this knife, every technology on this knife, every groove, every cut is made with intention. It's made for a purpose. There's not one part of this knife that is not useful. It became very, very uh, effective. Thinking about that, we've got to realize that God is the master craftsman. God is. And God wants to sharpen us and God wants to transform us to be effective in the combat of faith. We've been enlisted, everybody. That's right. We've been enlisted into God's army. And the cool thing about God is that he is the blacksmith in this illustration. God himself is the blacksmith that is forging us into a perfect utility in his hand for his own good pleasure and plan. So the big idea is we're in the hands of the blacksmith and we're being formed into the image of Jesus and a perfect utility that's gonna be used in the combat of faith. I don't know what type of knife you are out there today. I believe I'm like the K-bar knife. Some of you might be a butter knife. <laughs> but man, when you, the troops are hungry, that butter on the toast tastes good. Isn't that right? The cool thing about the blacksmith is before this perfect piece of utility, this combat weapon was ever formed, it looked like this to start with. Just your basic piece of steel, right? Not very useful. I mean, I can't do much with it. I mean, you know, it'd actually be hard to carry around, cumbersome. I'd probably end up hurting myself with this thing. You know, but that's how God is. You know, God's the blacksmith. And in some of the first phases of a blacksmith, the selection process begins. And a piece of steel is chosen to accomplish its specific purpose. And what we have to realize is if God is the blacksmith, then God handpicks us for the process of perfection. So isolate this message to yourself today. Individualize this message for you that God personally enlisted you and handpicked you for his process of perfection. 
John chapter 15, verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I love that scripture. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. God chose you. God appointed you. And God's going to put you to work. And when God chose you, he chose you as a raw piece of steel. A raw piece of steel. Just as you are. A lot of people believe that, and it'll never work, it's a ploy of the enemy, that they should look like this perfected combat knife before even being introduced to the blacksmith. You'll never be a combat knife until the, the blacksmith chooses you. You've got to come to the blacksmith impure. You've got to come to the blacksmith imperfect. You've got to come to the blacksmith undone with problems of every kind, with drama. Just don't come to me with drama. I'm just going to go to the blacksmith. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come, come all who are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. The blacksmith. Just as you are, your idiosyncrasies, your self-validations that you've received from society, your credentials, your hurt, your pain, your addictions, your bad psychology, your symptoms, it doesn't matter. Come as you are because the blacksmith is choosing you. Never forget where you came from or who chose you. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen race, a chosen race. See, in God's race, there is no color. There is no economic status. There is no politics. There is no comparison. A chosen race, which is not of this world, by the way, we're, for, we're, we're foreigners to the, do, the ball of dirt and water that we stand on. By the way, most of the earth is water and dirt, and so are you, so we're mud. But we are chosen for a special race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God sees your potential. When he chose you as this raw, undone, impure piece of steel, God saw a K-bar, if you would, the whole time. Can you see that? Where are you at? See, the blacksmith, once he chooses this piece of steel, he begins to forge it. And in order to forge it properly, steel is heated to a red-orange heat. It gets hot. It gets hot. And it's forged and softened in that heat. And then a hammer is placed to the steel where it's begun to take a new shape. 
And in this stage of the refiner's fire, some people leave. You heard the old saying, if it's too hot in the kitchen, get on the back porch. The problem is God's not trying to weed out the weak. God's trying to make the weak strong. And in order to make the weak strong, you have to embrace the heat, not run from it. That's a hard feat. You know, I, I played soccer when I was a kid, and, you know, I played, I was a defender. That was my primary thing. I was a fullback, a left fullback. And my goal was to always mark the number one goal scorer, had defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, MVP here at Gulfport High. And I had an ex-World Cup professional teach me a valuable lesson when I was younger playing select soccer in San Antonio. These guys, these power forwards could take a shot and it would be a line drive and it would break people's noses and it hurt people, it messed their eyes up. And he taught, he taught us, you have to face that ball head on. You never want to turn your left or to your right. And when you slide tackle, you're hitting it head on so that you can, you can, hit, you can use that forehead properly. And this is what we, we, he's embrace the ball. We have to embrace the heat knowing that it's being used by the blacksmith to shape and form us. Some people think that God is just putting heat on them. God uses this planet and this earth and these circumstances to use and really it's a catalyst for him. Embrace it. Embrace the refiner's fire, knowing that God's desire is to purify me and to shape me. You know, I think a good prayer to pray in the heat instead of why me, change me. You say, I can't pray. Pray it with a quivering lip. Have you ever done this? I've prayed prayers before. You don't know what to pray. I just pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And God does something special there in that heat. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you and, and begin to shape the inner person. The Holy Spirit begins to transform the heart of a man, heart of a woman, way beyond a 35-minute preaching session. Come on, somebody. Way beyond that social media post, way beyond that book you read, God begins to visit you and to lead you and guide you and give you direction from the word of God. In Jeremiah, prophet in the Old Testament, chapter 23, verse 29, is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord. The specific word for you, the, the word that God highlights for you, the word sometimes that doesn't feel so good and also the word that validates you and affirms you. It's like a fire that heats you up. 
And he begins to fashion you in that heat. Psalms chapter 119, verse 73, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. A lot of times in the heat, a lot of times in the fashioning, we have to get understanding from the Spirit of God. It says it in James chapter 1, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith must produce endurance, and endurance must be completed so you're lacking nothing. And then it goes on to say, and if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who is generous and will give you wisdom, meaning we need a word of wisdom sometimes in the heat to say, God, you're shaping me. I don't understand, but I believe you're crafting me for something good and something great. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests the hearts. I love that. It's great. And as he begins to shape you, the blacksmith is hammering you, man, might have to put you back into charcoal sometimes. I'm like that. I got charcoal all over me. God keeps, you know, putting us in the heat if we're a little harder than others, hard-headed. But, but then the next step is he begins to profile the steel. That's when the steel is removed from the heat and it's cooled entirely. And then a file or a diamond stone is used to begin to outline the blade and to clean up the surfaces. See, God's going to use people and circumstances to sharpen that edge in my life. He wants to sharpen the edge. The cool thing about sharpening is the substance on the sharpening surface must be harder than the material being sharpened. Or it can't sharpen the edge. See, one man who is stronger in faith can sharpen another man and that man becomes stronger. Big deal. And the thing about sharpening is we have to remove these obstacles that is not allowing us to be sharpened. These mechanisms, these psychological defensive tactics, these insecurities these lacks of trust, this, this soul of your, uh, of your being, you, sometimes you have to bypass that and just stand up and say, sharpen me. You've heard the old saying, have you lost your edge? God wants us to regain the edge in our life. He really does. He wants us to not only regain the edge, he wants us to keep the edge. See, you know, this knife right here has a very sharp edge. I could actually shave with it. I'm not going to do that. Um, I could cut myself. It wouldn't be a, a good illustration anymore. I'd look like a fool. But the reason I can shave myself with this knife right now because it's never been used. And, and so God will take us and make us an object like this to go into combat. This knife's never been used in combat never used it in combat. But if I did, I would have to carry a sharpening stone with me so that it would continue to be useful. 
And sometimes when we're moving forward, we'll lose the edge in our life. And that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with other people. As hard steel will sharpen a knife, so a man may sharpen the intellect and the spiritual life of another man or woman. So important that, that we embrace the proper relationships with intention, with intention being missional-minded, knowing that I'm going to get around the right people so that I can be sharpened with an end goal in mind that I'm going to be a perfect utility in the hand of the master. So I've got a motive, absolutely. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise as iron sharpens iron. So another man sharpens another man. But you know what? The stage is not done with the blacksmith. The stage continues. The work continues. And the blacksmith begins polishing and finishing the blade. It's not done yet. And this is arguably the most labor-intensive stage of the process. At this point, the steel is way too hard for the files anymore, and it must be given its final shape with stones instead of files, and polished and over and over again with finer upon finer stones as well as water to get that real sharp edge. And each time the blade is polished with a finer finish than the step before, all the marks from the previous step must be removed before going to the next. And this takes patience and many hours of hand labor. How many of you like handmade stuff? I like handmade. Oh, just a few, few people. Handmade stuff. I'm here to tell you, God is handmaking you. And God is patient with you. Even if your heart fails you, God remains faithful, period. We give up and God never gives up. We look at our failures, our, our inconsistencies, and we give up, but God's never given up on us. He's patient. He's going to keep going. He had, he, look, he's not on a time clock. You are. See, God is faithful to finish the work that he started in you as long as you remain in the process. God's faithful. God's faithful. And when you look in the mirror, you might see something different than what God sees. But you've got to continue to embrace the process, and remain in the process. You say, Pastor, what happens if I got out of the process? Get back in the process. What happens if I feel like I need to start over? Start over. Get back in the heat. There's some dimples in the blade. Say, well, what if, what if I'm tired? Lay down in the furnace. Quitting is not an option. That's the problem. Quitting is a social thing. Quitting is a human thing. 
God says, my ways are high above your ways. We didn't learn quitting from God. God's process of perfection will continue as you remain in the process. And that final polishing and that final hours of labor, the blacksmith actually engraves the blade. He engraves the blade a lot of times. And that speaks to our identity. That identity that's found in Christ alone. It's a brand new identity. It's an identity different than what you've been taught. It's an identity that looks different than your past. He said that you're a new creature in Christ, a brand new creation, a brand new identity. And a lot of times we're trying to bring that old identity, the way we see ourselves, the way we've been programmed, our behavioral patterns, all of that stuff, and bring it into the new creation. And it doesn't seem to be working right. When God's saying, I've got some new engravings for you, it's a brand new identity. You have to release the old identity and embrace the new identity. And I'm going to develop that identity until you're confident and strong in it. Not prideful, confident, big difference. And he polishes and he engraves that blade. And then he begins to craft the handle. That handle, without this leather handle right here and these grooves in it, it could slip out of my hand easy in combat and cause me to be killed. Very important to handle there. It's the gifts, it's the, it's the talents, it's the gifts that God has deposited into your life that he wants to bring into operation and use. The amazing thing about God is we're one body in many parts, but they all are joined together and the head is Christ. And we all have an important role to play. And it's our responsibility to discover those gifts and to begin to try those gifts out. I know Christmas is coming up. A lot of you kids will probably get some sort of like drone devices. That's why we don't have kids ministry in here, by the way, because your kid, if he's in here, is like, yeah, Pastor Casey said we're getting a drone. <laughs> Just kidding. But you gotta try that thing out. Sometimes we have a bad identity and because of our bad identity, we're fearful and timid and afraid and insecure to operate in some of those gifts with confidence and lead people and bring people into the kingdom. These gifts and, these gifts and these talents house that identity and those passions. And then he places the finished weapon into the scabbard and that's our calling and purpose. It carries those gifts. It carries those talents. It carries that new identity onto the battlefield to accomplish its purpose. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, and I'm sure of this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We've been enlisted, everybody. We're in the army. We're in. And now we're going to be used. And what we want over our tombstone, if you would, is well done, good and faithful servant. 
well done, good and faithful servant. But that takes us co-laboring with God. Co-laboring with God happens the minute we dismiss this service. We're just sitting right now. Now you're co-laboring with the Spirit of God, some of you right now, and God's showing you things in your life. And maybe God's encouraging you right now. And maybe God's convicting you right now. Maybe God's shoring up some of the processes you find yourself in. Maybe God's challenging you from here to there. The Holy Spirit knows exactly where you are and he's dealing with you right now in your seat. Some of you, he's affirming that you're going the right direction. Other of you, he's saying there needs to be a course correction. Some of you, he's saying, this is what you're created for. This is what your calling is. And we co-labor with God and we embrace that and we begin to work that thing out. The just shall live by faith. And we have to walk out our faith with fear and tremble, we gotta begin to walk this thing out. We gotta begin to work on it. You know, we gotta begin to take home what God has given us and we've gotta begin to work on it together. We gotta work on it with God. We gotta keep praying about it. We gotta keep crying about it. We gotta, we, we gotta be angry and sin not. We gotta just keep working with God as he's fine tuning us in the process so that we're effective and focused and fixated on what God's called us to do. That's what God wants to do in our lives. So I don't know where you're at right now in this process, but I wanna remind you back to phase one of this process where the blacksmith goes into that storehouse and he begins to walk down those aisles. And he begins to look on the shelves and he begins to hand select and hand pick a piece of steel. And that's when God's calling you to a relationship with him. I don't know where you are right now in your walk, but there's some of you here today that you know God has chosen you and hand-selected you, and you're in this house because God got you here. And he wants a real relationship with you, not religion, not knowing about God, having an intimate relationship with him. Some of you might have grown up in church, not sure, and you have a Bible at the house, but, the, but you know you're not in the hands of the blacksmith. It all begins with a real relationship with Jesus. And so what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes real quick. Meditate on God, meditate on what we're saying here today. And ask yourself the question, is God choosing me off of the shelf as a raw, undone piece of steel? Can he really love me? Am I really that person? I'm here to tell you today you are. You are that person, you are the apple of God's eye and he's selecting you. He's calling you into a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer and you're gonna, you're gonna agree with that prayer in your heart. You're gonna say, that's me, God. I wanna enter into the process. I'm that piece of steel you were looking for. I'm that guy, I'm that gal. If you want to be included in that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand and put it right back down. Just lift your hands. That's me. Thank you, sir. That's me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Sir, I see your hand. Your hand. Your hand there. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Say, that's me. Thank you for your hand. He's just saying, that's me, God. It's almost like God choose me. He's walking down the aisles and he's He's wanting to choose you. You have to accept to be chosen, saying, yes, me, we have a free will. Anybody else say, that's me. I need Jesus. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to pray that prayer and you're going to believe it in your heart. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died, was raised to life, that we'll be saved, we'll be chosen, we'll be selected. That faith. So Father, thank you. That's what you're saying. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. Forgive me, God, for missing the mark. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. For me as an individual. Thank you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me and make me the person you've called me to be. Shape me and transform me. I'm in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Also want to pray over every person in this room who's accepted Christ and are on the journey. I don't know where you are in the phases of the journey. Maybe you're in the furnace and, and God's shaping you and got that hammer on you. And Maybe you're in the stage where God's profiling and beginning to sharpen that edge. And Maybe you're in the stage where God is really showing you your identity and your calling and some of the, those finishing stages. Father, we want to embrace those stages. We want to embrace your hands in our life. We want to embrace it. So, Father, we surrender afresh and anew. God, we, we as individuals say, yes, Lord, we're going to continue in faith. Yes, Lord, we're going to continue with your work in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer. Yeah. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.